Good morning, Kavanaugh. Will you stand with us? The scripture tells us where two or three are gathered, he is with them, right? So we are here and we are going to praise the Lord this morning. Sing with us. Hey, welcome. Glad to see you guys. Man, don't we have a lot to shout about? 
We have a lot to praise about. We have a lot to be thankful for. Jesus is our victor. He's our king. And we celebrate his success and his victory on the cross over death. And I am so thankful for that. And I know you are too. This past week has been, been all about giving thanks to our God for the amazing things that he has done for us. And we are so thankful um, as the body of Christ for that. So we are, we're excited that you've gathered here today with us to celebrate, to be thankful, and to worship, and to learn, and to grow. There's a lot here, and guess what? I believe God's going to do something awesome today. I really do. Every time that we come to gather around God's Word and hear the preaching of His Word, I believe God has something amazing for us, all right? So we just got to be ready. So I want you to be ready, all right? Are you ready? All right. Everyone stand up. All right. Let's bow our heads, and let's ask God's blessing on our service today. Pray with me. Lord, we love you, and again, we're so thankful that we can come together as your kids, as your church God, and we're so thankful that we here at Kavanaugh Church are able to meet this morning. Lord, there's a lot of people that aren't able to meet with us here today, and we just ask for your continued touch on their lives, God. There's a lot of people ill, a lot of people sick, a lot of people just out, a lot of people uh, at home and online. Uh, God, we just ask over everybody as your body, God, that you just touch us and you heal us and you you, you show us that you are near and you're close to us, God. We need that assurance today. In a time of uncertainty and in a time of, uh, of where we may not have a lot of confidence, in a time where we just don't know what's really going on, we do know for certain that you hold everything under control and that we can depend on you and that you are the truth and that you love us so much. So help us to remember that today. Be with Brother Will as he brings the message. Open our hearts, open our minds, help us to be the people that you want us to be. We love you in your name. Amen. Let's continue to worship.
for us and because you are for us we can overcome we can be overcomers in this life I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise will continually be on my lips Lord help us to offer up our praise to the one who is worthy Lord we thank you for your love we thank you for your peace. We thank you for your Holy Spirit who is in this place. Help us to praise you today. In Jesus' name, amen. How's everybody? Are we good? Glad that you're here today in person. Thankful for those who are watching online. It is so good to be in the Lord's house today and to be able to worship and praise Him. Our mission at Kavanaugh Church is to win people to Christ, to train believers to become disciples, and then send disciples back out to impact the world in which we live in. Uh, we spent several weeks talking about winning people to Christ. In the last few weeks, we've been talking about training believers to become disciples. A disciple is a follower of Jesus. Uh, a disciple is a person who wants to be more like Jesus every single day that they live. We call that progressive sanctification, where I'm more like Jesus today than I was yesterday. But it doesn't just happen automatically or magically. It, it takes effort on your part. You have to work to become like Jesus Christ. And there is a little phrase in the Bible that helps us do that. It's a phrase that says day by day. And what I've discovered, Nathan, is for me to be the disciple that God has called me to be, there are certain things I have to do day by day. We've already looked at three of those, uh, our daily devotions. We need to read God's Word every day and pray. Our daily bread, that is looking to God to supply our needs in life. And then we looked at our daily strength, to have the strength to face no matter what the world throws at us. Today we're going to look at our daily praise. That little phrase is found in 2 Chronicles chapter 30, verse 21, talking about giving praise to God. Now, the only way you can give praise to God with your lips is when your heart is right with the Lord. You've got to be walking with Jesus in order to offer him daily praise. And so let's look at this passage and this particular verse, 2 Chronicles chapter 30, verse 21. So the children of Israel who were present at Jerusalem kept the feast of unleavened bread seven days with great gladness. And the Levites and the priests praised the Lord day by day. There's our little phrase. They were praising the Lord day by day, singing to the Lord, accompanied by what? Loud instruments. Now, I've used this verse before sharing with you that, you know what? There it is right there. You can have loud instruments in the church. You can have a praise band that plays loud music to the Lord. It's biblical, all right? But for our focus today, it's something they were doing day by day, and that is they were praising the Lord day by day. 
Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us to do that with our own lips today. I pray that joy would be in our heart, and I pray, dear Lord, that praise would be on our lips. We ask all of this in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, Angie's mom, Peggy, passed away, and so we went to Corning, Arkansas for the funeral, and and, uh, while we were there, there her entire family was in the house, and so there's 25 of us there, and guess what happened? Uh, That COVID virus spread through the family. We got home and received a phone call from one of the family members. They had tested positive, and Angie and I looked at each other, well, what do we got to do? Well, we need to go get tested uh, just to be preventive because we're around people all the time. And so we went to the doctor, had the little quick test, all right? Let me tell you, the quick test is better than the other test, okay? <laughs> They don't stick that thing up your nose nearly as far, but we had the little quick test, uh, went back in, and uh, we were together in the, in the doctor's office, and the, one of the nurses came in to read the report to us and said, you might as well just keep your mask on. <laughs> because you tested positive for COVID. Now, I, I've not had any symptoms through the entire time. I uh, just kind of had a, a cough, and it felt like a cold, but I never ran fever. I did lose my sense of taste and smell. That's weird. I mean, it's a weird thing. It, it's slowly coming back, but I did it. Let me tell you, the worst part of COVID-19 for me was the quarantine part because it, it, it's hard for me to stay inside Anyway, and so during the last 10 days, I have literally driven Miss Angie crazy. Literally, I have. I've I've hated the quarantine part. Uh, And while I was in quarantine, I read some stuff, Gail, that I probably shouldn't have read. Not that it was bad, but it was kind of negative. For example, I read this phrase, life is easier if you dread only one day at a time. Now think about that. Life is easier if you dread only one day at a time. And it made me think about a, a, a pastor friend of mine who was being roasted, and I was there to watch him being roasted, and, and one of the other preachers got up and said this about our pastor friend. says, Brother so-and-so has turned his life around. He used to be depressed and miserable. Now he's miserable and depressed, right? So literally turned his life around. Can I tell you something? God doesn't want you to dread one day at a time. And God doesn't want you to be miserable and depressed or depressed and miserable. But the devil does. And the devil will throw you curveball after curveball in your life. Hardship from every direction. You know what? There are days, and I'm sure like me, you've had days when, frankly, you just didn't really feel the joy of the Lord in your life. And if there's no joy, you really don't feel like praising the Lord. All you want to do is pack your bags and take a long trip. But but here's the deal. When my heart is reflecting the promises of God, and by simple faith I am believing, I am abiding in the joy of the Lord, and there is going to be praise that comes out of my mouth. Uh, This introduces us to this concept that I'm stuck on today, and that is of personal Daily renewal, personal daily revival. You know what? We all long for a time when there is a national revival. And really, that is our hope, not only in America, but in this world, that that there be a far-reaching revival where the Holy Spirit of God shakes us and changes us and revival comes to our land. We need revival. But, but here's the deal. You don't have to wait for that global revival. 
You can literally have a personal revival in your own heart today. And the way you do that is by having the joy of Jesus in your heart. When you have the joy of Jesus in your heart day by day, there will be praise on your lips moment by moment. And here in 2 Chronicles is a story that helps us do that. In 2 Chronicles chapter 28, Prince Hezekiah was elevated to the throne after the death of his father, Ahaz. Now, Ahaz had been an extremely wicked king. In fact, we have this account of Ahaz in 2 Chronicles chapter 28. It says, now in the time of his distress, King Ahaz became increasingly unfaithful to the Lord. This is that King Ahaz. For he sacrificed to the gods of Damascus, which had defeated him, saying, Because the gods of the kings of Syria helped them, I will sacrifice to them that they may help me. But they were the ruin of him and all of Israel. If you want a picture of insanity, that's the picture right there. Really, I think more than anything, this is a picture of self-destruction and addictive sin. He was addicted to the very thing that was destroying him. He was worshiping the very thing that was causing ruin in his life. That's really what an addiction is. And we see the picture of this sin come to fruition in, the next, in verse 24, which says, So Ahaz gathered the articles of the house of God. He cut in pieces the articles of the house of God. He shut the doors of the house of the Lord and made for himself altars in every corner of Jerusalem. And in every single city of Judah, he made high places to burn incense to other gods. And he provoked to anger the Lord God of his fathers. Under King Ahaz, the temple itself was looted. The precious articles of worship were destroyed. The church was shut down and boarded up. And the entire nation fell into this cesspool of idolatry. Boy, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? I mean, we don't, we don't have to look very far to see that happening in our own world today. But you know what? God wasn't through with Israel. God wasn't through with the world at that time. And God is not through with us. He sent one man to make a difference. Do you believe that one person can make a difference? I do. And we see it coming true in this particular story. He sent one young man named Hezekiah, whose story is told in the next couple of chapters. And as I studied this passage of Scripture, it became very clear to me that personal revival, the kind of revival that we need day by day, requires four prerequisites. And what are those four prerequisites? Well, number one, we've got to come to a point in our life where we say, enough is enough. Things need to change in my life. Before you can change anything, you've got to come to that point, and sometimes you have to hit rock bottom before you get there, but you have to say, you know what, enough is enough. It's time for things to change in my world. We see this in 2 Chronicles chapter 29. Hezekiah became king when he was 25 years old. And he reigned, you know what, there is wisdom in youth. It doesn't matter how old you are. If you're full of God's wisdom, you can do great things. Amen? This young man was only 25 years old, 
and he reigned a total of 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father David had done. In the first year of his reign, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and he began to repair them. Notice that. It was in the first month of the first year of his reign. In other words, as soon as he came to the throne, he took action to institute religious reform. He didn't wait until he was established as king. He didn't wait for a more convenient day. He started it the first day of the first month of the first year. So let me just ask you this question. What do you need to change in your life? What is it that needs to change in your life today? If an expert on spiritual growth or personal management came and spent a week with you, what would they tell you that you need to change in your life? What habits need to change? What behaviors need to change? What attitudes need to change? If you could change today one thing about yourself, what would it be? If you could improve in only one area of your life that needs improvement, what area would that be? And let me just stretch this a little bit further. Is there religious reform that needs to take in place in your life? Is there something spiritual, something between you and God that needs to be resolved in your life? If so, what are you waiting on? If any change needs to take place in your life, why aren't you making that change? Oh, I'll, I'll wait till a better day, a more convenient time. I'll wait till the new year starts. I'll wait till 2020 is over. You know, we all want 2020 to be over with, don't we? But my friend, you don't need to wait for anything. If there is a change that needs to take place in your life, you need to start making that change today. You need to come to a place where you say, enough is enough. Things need to change. God will help you. God can help you, but God's not going to make the change for you. He wants you to get to that place where you say, you know what? I need God's help for this to change. I can't change this on my own. I've tried. And so you ask God, Lord, please help me. That is the first step in having a personal revival in your heart. You come to a point where you say enough is enough. It's time for things to change. The second thing is found actually in verse 3 of chapter 29. This is an intriguing verse. In the first year of his reign, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. Then he brought in the priests and the Levites. He gathered them in the east square. And here's what he said to these holy men. Hear me, Levites. Now sanctify yourselves. Sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers and carry out the Rubbish. We're reading out of the New King James translation. Carry out the rubbish from the holy place. We don't use the word rubbish much anymore. Uh, later on, in, in fact, down in verse 16, it calls it a different word. Let's look at the verse in, in verse 16. Then the priest went into the inner part of the house of the Lord to cleanse it, and they brought out all the debris. So rubbish, debris that they found in the temple of the Lord to the court of the house of the Lord. You know what it's talking about? The trash, the garbage that has accumulated in the temple of God. The second thing we've got to do is we've got to carry out the rubbish. 
We've got to carry out the trash. Before they could restore the worship services in the temple, they had to carry out the garbage and the debris. Now, the temple was filthy. It, it looked like some of your garages. Yeah. It was full of all kinds of vile and inappropriate objects. And it took them literally two full weeks to clean out the temple. How do we know that? Verse 17 tells us that. Now they began to sanctify on the first day of the first month. And on the eighth day of the month, they came to the vestibule of the Lord. So they sanctified the house of the Lord in eight days, and on the 16th day of the first month, they finished. They started on the first day, finished on the 16th day, so it took them two full weeks to carry out all of the garbage that had been built up in the temple. Now, what is our application for this verse today? I think it's very clear. In our application, the holy place of our life is the heart. Their holy place was the temple of God. It had become full of garbage and debris and rubbish that they had to carry out of the temple. Our holy place is our heart. And if you want a personal daily revival, the first thing that you're going to have to do is acknowledge, I've got some trash in my life. And the second thing you're going to have to do is carry that garbage out of your heart. How do we do that? Well, let me give you some some theological words that go along with this practice. The words are confession, repentance, and a turning away from your sin. That's what I mean by carrying out the garbage of your heart. You confess it. You realize, you know what, there is something in my life that is blocking my relationship with God. It is sin. And you just confess that sin and call it by name. Whatever it is. Lord, this sin is, 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 is it's ruining my relationship with you, so I confess this sin. But it's more than just saying it and confessing it, it is repenting from it. And repentance is a turning away from it. A, a repentance is a, a sorrowful heart. You're, you're not sorry that you got caught. You're sorry that there is a sin in your life blocking your relationship with God. And so you confess it, you repent from it, and then you turn away from it Never to go back to it again. That's what's involved in getting the garbage out of your heart. In his bio, uh, book, The Coming Revival That We Need, Dr. Oswald Smith said this about it. And I think he, he classifies it pretty good for us. He says, how may we secure such an outpouring of the Spirit? Your answer to that, he said, would be prayer. And yes, prayer is important. But there's something that needs to come before prayer. He says, we have to deal, first of all, with the question of sin. For unless our lives are right in the sight of God, and unless sin has been put away, we will pray until doomsday, and revival will never come. Amen. Pretty good observation. And to back it up, he quoted Isaiah chapter 59. Your iniquities have separated between you and your God. And your sins have hid his face from you so that he will not hear you. Church, listen to me. We need to clear out the debris that is in our heart. And what I'm saying by this is this. If we want to experience daily joy, 
If we want to have that day-by-day joy of the Lord in our hearts, if we want to be able to praise the Lord and live in his presence, we need to take the debris out of our heart. What debris do you have in your heart today? It could be any number of things. It could be pride or a critical spirit. It could be bitterness. It could be sexual sins. It could be unbelief. But confessing it and repenting from it and turning away from it is just as real a transaction as what those Levites did when they wheeled their wheelbarrows into the temple and with shovel and broom carried out the debris that was defiling the house of God. So our point today is to become a disciple of Jesus. To do that, we got to walk with God day by day. We need to have his daily praise on our lips. For that to happen, we've got to come to a point where we're ready to change the way that we're living Number two, we need, to, we need to confess and carry out the debris that's in our heart. And then number three, we need to reestablish the worship that should be in our life. We need to restore the observance of Passover. Uh, this is really interesting to me. Look in the next chapter, chapter 30, verse 1. It says, And Hezekiah sent to all Israel and Judah, and also wrote letters to Ephraim and Manasseh that they should come to the house of the Lord at Jerusalem to keep the what? There it is, the Passover to the Lord God of Israel. The Passover was the oldest holy day in Israel's history. In fact, it was the most important holy day. It was to celebrate what God did for his nation, his people, Israel. Remember, they were in Egyptian captivity. They, they had gone down to Egypt for food, and, and they had lived there for over 400 years, and the Pharaoh enslaved them, and they were making bricks for the Pharaoh, and, and God decided, you know what, it, it's time to deliver my people, and so he sent a deliverer to them, a guy by the name of Moses. Eh? That's a whole other story, but one man can make a difference. And so Moses went before the Pharaoh, who was the most powerful man in the entire world. And he declared to Pharaoh, let God's people go. But Pharaoh had a hard heart, and he said no. And because of that, God sent a series of plagues on the land of Egypt. Remember all those plagues? The frogs and the fleas and the blood and all that kind of stuff. Finally, the the final plague, plague number 10, was the death of the firstborn. God was going to send a death angel one night to Egypt and kill the firstborn of every living thing. But he didn't want to do that to his people. And so he told Moses to give his people this instruction. It was to be the night of of the Passover observance. They were to take a spotless lamb and slay that lamb, roast it in their ovens and eat the meat and then burn the bones. But they were to take the blood of that spotless lamb And with a hyssop tree, they were to paint the doorpost of their house with the blood of the lamb. And so when the death angel came, he did kill the firstborn of every living creature, including humans, in Egypt. But when he came to a doorpost that had the blood of the lamb applied to it, he would bypass that house and would not kill the firstborn. That's pretty significant. Is it not? It's really how the Israelites were delivered 
from Egypt from, because of this death angel. But, but the salvation for God's people was in the blood of the Lamb. And, and this was their most sacred holiday. And God had told them, from now on, I want you to observe Passover. Every single year, observe Passover. But you know what? The Passover had fallen to the wayside in the nation of Israel. They had forgotten their most important holy day. So here comes this young prince who's now king, Hezekiah. And he reads the word of God and and he realizes that, you know what? We haven't been keeping this holy day. We need to keep Passover. And and it was soon approaching. And so he started the process of purifying the priests and the Levites. But Passover came and went before he could get everybody in the nation ready to meet Passover. So he didn't want to wait for 11 more months. He realized in their nation they, they needed Passover now. They needed to restore their relationship with God now, not wait another 11 months. And so he became very ingenious and decided, you know what, for this year and this year only, we're going to do it early. You know what he was? Flexible. I I told the staff, if we've learned anything in 2020, and that that is how to become flexible as a church, you know, you just have to just kind of go with the flow. Well, that's what King Hezekiah did. And so through this chapter, he sends out runners that ran to every city in the nation of Israel, calling the people to Passover. And that's exactly what they did. They came and they had Passover. And it was a wonderful time for the nation of Israel. Now here's my point. Passover is a foreshadowing of something that came in the New Testament. Passover was a foreshadowing of Calvary. The slaying of the great Passover lamb. Because just like the people of Israel had sin in their life and they needed salvation through the blood of a lamb, our world has sin. You have sin in your life. And the only way that sin can be taken away, the Bible says, is through the blood of the lamb of God. And so Jesus, God's son, climbed on Calvary's cross and his blood was shed for the remission of your sin. And for you to be saved today and go to heaven when you die, you need to have the blood of the Lamb applied to your life. That brings us to where we are in this sermon. In order for us to have personal daily revival, we've got to make a decision that things need to change in our life. Number two, we need to clean out the debris that's in our life. And then number three, we need to kneel at the cross of Jesus Christ and rediscover the depths of the love that Jesus has for us. We need to rededicate our lives to Jesus. If you want a daily revival, that's how you do it. You rededicate your life to Jesus, your past, your present, and your future. And then finally, once you've made up your mind to change things and you've carried out the garbage that's in your heart and you restore the Passover in your own life, then you are free to choose joy (laughs) and you are free to praise the Lord. I want to go back to our key verse 21. So the children of Israel who were present at Jerusalem kept the feast of unleavened bread seven days with great gladness, and the Levites and the priests praised the Lord day by day, singing to the Lord, and they were accompanied by loud instruments. And then 
If we go down to verse 26, we have this. So there was great joy in Jerusalem. For since the time of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, there had been nothing like this in Jerusalem. Then the priests and the Levites arose and they blessed the people and their voice was heard and their prayer came up to his holy place, his dwelling place, which is in heaven. Now these two verses are packed full of, of great things we need to, to exert from them. First of all, there was great gladness. Can I tell you what? When you get your life right with Jesus, there is gladness in your heart. And that gladness led to daily praise. And that daily praise led to great joy. Praise is a choice. Praising God is a choice that you make. And joy is the result of your praise. Great joy. So dude, let me tell you, if you want to turn your life around today, here's the way to do it. You start praising the Lord. Depression and being miserable and dreading one day at a time will not cohabitate with praise given to the Lord. I don't know, if you heard the name C.T. Studd, uh, he was a, a famous uh, evangelist from Britain that lived years ago. Before he became a preacher, he was a famous cricketer. You, you know what a cricketer is? He played cricket. I, I guess the only thing close to that in our place in America, Ken, would be baseball, okay? But he was a great cricketer, great athlete. And then he got, he got saved, and he felt the call into ministry and evangelism and traveled the world preaching the gospel. He got on a big ship one day going to China. And the captain of that ship was a Bible scholar. He wasn't a Bible scholar because he loved the Lord. He was an atheist. But he loved to study the Bible so he could argue with missionaries that boarded his ship that he would take to different places in the world. And so he was delighted when he heard that C.T. Studd was going to be on his ship. And I tell you what, when C.T. Studd stepped on board that ship, this atheistic captain lit into him. But instead of arguing, this great athletic man who is now a preacher, and I guess athletes can preach. I don't know. He did. Instead of arguing with him, Nathan, he put his arm around him and said, oh, sir, all these things that you're saying about Christianity may be true in your own mind, but here's one thing that I have. I have a peace that passes all understanding, and I have a joy in my heart that this world can't touch. Well, the captain didn't know what to say, and so he finally just bluttered out, you're a lucky dog, <laughs> and walked away. You know, before that voyage was ended, that captain came to faith in Jesus Christ. And he found that peace that passes all understanding. And he found that joy that this world can't take away. The Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. We've looked at that verse. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And so when you lose your joy... You don't have any strength, nor do you have enthusiasm, and you don't even feel like praising the Lord. Hey, you can turn that around today. By making the decision, things are going to change today. November 29th, 2020, things are changing. When you carry out the debris that is clogging up your heart, 
And when you rededicate your life to Jesus Christ and give him your past, your present, and your future, here's what happens. Joy comes back into your life. And praise comes out of your mouth. And you experience the same thing these people experienced thousands of years ago. Great gladness and great joy. So how about it? Do you want it? Well, I tell you, I do. Let's receive it today. Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would do something wonderful in our hearts and lives right now as we come to faith in you. And church, I'm going to ask that you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed, everyone standing. We, we don't have open altars right now because of COVID, but you know what? You can make an altar right where you're standing. So would you just look at your own life, and if, if you're not right with Jesus, if there is sin blocking your relationship with God, would you confess that sin? Would you repent of that sin? And would you give your life to Jesus? It's as simple as A, B, C, A, admit you're a sinner, B, believe Jesus is the only one who can save you, and C, confess him as Lord of your life. Would you do that? Just a simple prayer is all it takes. Maybe you're here today and you've done that, you're a Christian, but, but things are not quite right in your life. You know things are not, you don't have that praise on your lips and you don't feel the joy in your heart. If that's the case, let's, let's just do what the Bible prescribes here. Let's make a decision today that things are going to change. Let's carry out the debris that's in our life. Let's rededicate our life to Jesus. And let's leave here praising the Lord in a new way. Heavenly Father, would you make that happen in our hearts today? I pray, dear Lord, for those who need you as their Lord and Savior, for them to confess you and believe in you. Lord, for the rest of us who just need to get things right with you, I, I pray that we would do that today so that we can know the joy of the Lord and live in day-by-day day praise to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated just for a moment, and then we're going to let you go. Um, this past week on Tuesday, we lost uh, one of our heroes here at Cavanaugh Church, a longtime church member, Paul Hamilton, passed away. Uh, Paul and Phyllis joined Cavanaugh back in 1978, and through those years, uh, Paul served in many capacities at our church. He was a Sunday school teacher, Sunday school superintendent. He served on our church board, and for the last 18 years, Paul was the treasurer of Cavanaugh Church. We are going to miss Paul Hamilton. Pray for his family, and if you're able to come tomorrow at 11 o'clock, uh, we're going to celebrate his life and his homegoing here at Cavanaugh Church. Today at Edwards Funeral Home from 2 to 4, uh, the family will be there to visit with you if you would like to go to the funeral home today. Appreciate that as well. Tonight at 6.30, we're going to have our Bible study online. It's either going to be on Facebook, it will be on Facebook online, or on KavanaughChurch.com. Matt Ortega is teaching the lesson, so tune in tonight at 6.30. Uh, also, this Wednesday, we got a couple of different things happening. Next Sunday is Adopt-A-Family, okay? So this Wednesday, we're going to be getting ready for Adopt-A-Family. Uh, Brother Johnny invites you to come between 6 and 8 p.m. There will be a variety of work-related things that you can do preparing for Adopt-A-Family. If you don't come and work uh, and you're online, uh, tune in at 7 o'clock because we do have an online Bible study, Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. 
Remember to give. The black boxes are at each doorway. You can put your tithe in that, or you can give online. Uh, Today is the last day to give to Adopt a Family. Uh, For those of you who don't know what Adopt a Family is, every year we do this. We give Christmas this year to 130 families in the River Valley who would not have Christmas otherwise. Uh, We've gone through our public school system, through the elementary schools. They've given us a list of families who are in need. And next Sunday, between 3 and 5 p.m., we're going to be delivering the gifts to them. Uh, Every other adoptive family, we've invited them to our church and put on a big shindig for them. We can't do that because of COVID, so we're going to take the gifts to them. $300 uh, helps a family, and uh, you can see on the thing that was just up there that I kept talking through, we've almost reached our goal. So today, if you want to give to adopt a family, it's the last time you can give. Make sure that you mark your check, AAF, or in an envelope, AAF, Adopt-A-Family. We would appreciate that. Next Sunday is Adopt-A-Family from 3 to 5. If you don't know uh, what you can do to help, ask Brother Johnny. He'll get you hooked up with that. Um, Also, next Sunday, we've got two traveling preachers coming through uh, that are going to preach next Sunday morning. Uh, Both of them former members of Kavanaugh Church, and both of them now at Randall University. Bob Thompson, uh, president of Randall, former youth pastor back in the 70s at Kavanaugh Church, is going to preach our 9 o'clock service. And then at 1030, you guys get to hear Brother Mason Pope, vice president at Randall University. Here's what I told the first service people. Just come to both services. Uh, really, you, you will be blown away at these guys preaching, uh, so come at 9 to hear Brother Bob, come back at 10.30 to hear Brother Mason, and I know God's going to do great things for you. We have several people in our church who need to be lifted up in prayer, uh, those, those sick, those hurting. Uh, COVID has made its way through Kavanaugh. Uh, I don't know of anyone who has contracted COVID in our church building. Thank you for wearing your mask as you move around. Let's keep that up. Uh, But several church members have uh, contracted COVID through other sources, and we need to lift them up to the Lord, all right? Uh, It can be devastating to individuals and families. So let's pray for each other. Let's lift each other up to the Lord. I want you to know that, uh, that God certainly does love you, and he cares for you. One last thing. This is from my beloved wife, Miss Angie. Kavanaugh family. I want to express sincere gratitude to my church family. Thank you for your heartfelt cards, texts, the flowers, and the Gideon Bibles donated in mom's honor. And most importantly, I want to thank you for your prayers. God has poured out his peace and abundance during this difficult time in our lives. We are grieving and yet we are rejoicing. Our God remains on the throne and is ever faithful. To him be all glory and praise. Sincerely, Miss Angie and our entire family. So keep praying for those who are grieving and those who are hurting. God bless you. Have a great day. Mask up as you walk out.